pardons. Uh, I thought Alice yesterday was beautiful. I thought Jack Johnson, which was recommended by Sylvester Sloan and some great boxers. I thought Jack Johnson was a great one. I'm thinking about somebody that you all know very well, and he went through a lot, and he wasn't very popular then. And he wasn't very popular then. No, I'm not thinking about OJ. <laughs> <laughs> is it OJ? <laughs> oh, oh my, my God! Wow! I thought he was gonna say yes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God! Please, please. That seems like such a Trump thing to do. This will really make people mad. <laughs> I'll pardon OJ. So how do you decide who you pardon? Well, Kim Kardashian recommended somebody. Sylvester Stallone recommended somebody. I just kind of go off of that. I got somebody else I'm thinking of. Yeah, wasn't real popular. OJ wasn't very popular. Then no, I'm not thinking about OJ. <laughs> oh God! I wonder who he is thinking of. God, OJ's got to be. Well, who cares what OJ's thinking? Who, well, who, I heard. I heard this. I heard who it's going to be. I can't remember. You did? Uh, yeah. I, well, is it, is it OJ? <laughs> yes, it's OJ. <laughs> no, I can't remember. It's another uh, cause celeb among celebrities, but. I don't remember. Alex Baldwin. Yeah, that's it. Pardon Alex Baldwin being an ass. So a couple of things coming up. A um, uh, 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 a s- super pot enthusiast, well, pothead, uh, through their 20s and 30s, now a, uh, has been a scientist all along also, says we need to slow down a little on the whole marijuana thing and talk about what it does to you. Because it's all Fair po- enough. It's all positive right now. Let's, let's, let's throw in some of the other stuff, too. Says this right. marijuana enthusiast and scientist. Well, a lot of us who have an evolved view on these sort of things were annoyed for the longest time that everybody treated pot like it was, you know, uh, some sort of radioactive, uh, you know, death chemical. Like it was uh, a mix between fentanyl and, and polonium-6 that the Vladimir Putin serves people, which it isn't at all. Well, now it's being but treated now like, it's the opposite. Finally, watermelon is legal. Right, well, it cures everything. It's a boon to our taxes and and our health. That said, right, yeah, slow down, everybody. Also, a couple of high profile celebrity suicides in the last yes, week, and the yes. CDC numbers on suicides that are out are just. We got to talk about that. Wow, big show. Yeah. Plus, there's uh, child lemonade stand news on multiple fronts. Okay, you tell me. Now, I don't want to interrupt your thing here, but the well, way I don't the, care. <laughs> the way the guy from Canada is standing in the picture, legs spread, standing there, he was standing there. I can't pause that TV, but he, right. you see, like, buttons his jacket, and he stands there like he's Superman with his legs spread. Yeah. What was that? Trying a bit hard. What was that? He is a he is boy Settle band. Settle down, boy band. <laughs> All right. I don't want to say anything unkind about our Canadian neighbors because you're fine folks. I say but... build the wall and make Canada pay for it. <laughs> yes. Just remember who you are, boy band, all right? You and your old wife. Or is that the guy from That's France? That's the guy from France. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think the guy from Canada has a normal-aged wife. All right, so let's move through this very quickly because it's of use to practically nobody but me how to wear a short suit this summer. Uh, Ed sent this along. I'm not sure where he got it from, but I thought if I'd see it anywhere, I'd see it bumping around Manhattan because uh, LeBron <laughs> wore it last week and made it look cool, right? And right. it's the uh, you know early summer, really. Yeah. Uh, make sure the sh- the short suit fits well, not too big or too tight. So make sure it fits good. Thank you. Your shorts <laughs> should sit just be above your kneecap, no more than three inches above, and no longer than halfway down your knee. You know, I do admire 
old guys who there's there's some fashion stuff that I ignore. There's some fashion stuff I think you know maybe you go along with. I do admire old guys who are sticking with the John Stockton shorts. The, yes. the, the like the 1980s. They wear golf shorts where you can see half their thigh. I kind of admire that. I wouldn't wear that. May be the single last thing I would wear at this point in my life is short shorts, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'll wear panties and a little black dress before I wear the short shorts. There's, that's for clips of the week. The dolphin shorts, just the first part of that. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was Pride Week in D.C., so I saw plenty of really okay. provocative shorts. Anyway, uh, get a pair of shorts to complement your jacket. So okay, so something that matches. <laughs> Get a good pair of shoes, et cetera, et cetera. That that is the one question I have. What shoes I ought to go? You got to well, if you want to do the LeBron thing, you got to wear like serious dress shoes with oh, serious that, dress. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, it's just a question of am I going to go with something you know high top boots mm. or uh, loafers or what? I don't know. I'm going to have to take a look. I'm going to spend some time this evening. <laughs> and then Ed, for some reason, throws in with your girth, the skinny fit won't work. So uh, you know what? F you, Ed. Do I comment on your body? <laughs> What the hell? Right, anytime, Ed. <laughs> yeah. And then he suggests that uh, I get a pair of pants, cannibalize them into shorts. Ed, I am a man of golf. I have a closet full of really good-looking shorts. Thank you very much for your advice. All right, this is much more useful. Uh, so uh, this is uh, Gary responding to your assertion, Jack, that it would kill you to travel a lot like some people do, business mm-hmm. travelers. It just it beats the hell out of you. I got friends that do it, you know, like every week they go a couple of stops, like you're in, you know, Atlanta and Cleveland and back over three days. And I think, oh, my God, every week. So Gary runs a tech consulting business, has traveled three to four hundred thousand miles a year for decades, around 15 million miles. The airplanes, uh, airlines now keep uh, score of this. Um, He was actually in New York City overlapping with us last week, although we did not uh, run into him. That was after a couple of European cities. Here's what you need to know. Don't fly bleeping connecting flights. Jack, are you listening? Mm. All kinds of badass happens with connections, especially in Denver and Chicago. Fly nonstop no matter the F what. Well, that's lovely unless you're not traveling from a super airport to another super airport. Um, But I get his point. Sure. Fly business in first class. It ain't cheap, but you're going to be a lot more healthy when you get there. See the next point. Well, see, these are all, these are all, if you can afford to always fly non-stops first class, I will admit traveling would be better. There you go. The biggest risk on long flights, aside from crashing, what is deep vein thrombosis? I played the thrombone as a <laughs> schoolboy. Michael, do we have any tape of that? I don't think we do. I, that would be a miracle if we had tape of me playing the thrombone. We're all now old guys, and the risk is, risk is way higher than during our wasted youth. Flying economy drastically increases the risk of clots on long flights. Take an aspirin before any long flight and wear uh, support socks up to the knee. These recommendations from my doctor. Got it very so much from plane to plane or airline to airline. I was in a coach seat that was practically as good as any first class I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. Then I was on the next leg in a coach seat that I thought was going to kill me. Yeah, yeah. Some, and yeah. So it's it, same airline, just a different plane. Yeah. Support socks? Yeah, it's, it's an old guy <laughs> thing, Sean. You wouldn't understand. Drink water throughout, especially, are you listening, Joe, if you consume alcohol? Hey, what? what, what why the shots at me? Today? I don't do a good enough job of that because uh, I, don't, I, I don't like having to pee. I know, me too. I, uh, I was... Four hours and ten minutes into a four-hour and fifty-minute flight last night, which was an hour late, 
Um, and I thought, wow, I have not gone in like six hours. This is not right. So I forced myself to drink a bunch of but water. But having to pee and ask people to get up and get out of your way is annoying also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, drink the same amount of water as alcohol if you do it, if you drink any alcohol. Set your watch to the destination time. Live on that schedule. I've tried every effing cure for jet lag, he says, and none of them work. Eating and sleeping on destination time helps a bit. All other cures are BS. Yeah, I believe that. Don't eat airline food, even in business and first. I never do. And all my colleagues who break this rule regularly get sick from the SE airline food. Oh, this I've... food goes through handling that would scare a Nigerian. Don't bleeping eat it. Wow. God, this guy is frank, isn't he? I thought he was talking about the health of it. He just he just says it's just not clean enough. Okay. Right. I've, I've never gotten sick from airline food. But, but I do. It is, it is hard to not eat crap when you're traveling. I wasn't or even... too much, you know, fat and grease. I wasn't even particularly hungry on the flight. Oh, we got a break on time because we got Mike Lyons coming up. But the food came and I ate it all, every single bite of it. I walked in the last four days uh, till my feet literally have blisters, and I was wearing really good running shoes for part of it, and I gained two pounds. So that's business travel. Oh, yeah. If I did business travel, I'd weigh 400 pounds. My face would be beet red. Oh, man. So it seems to me that a lot of our negotiating ability, maybe 75% of our negotiating ability, is the fact that we could obliterate North Korea. But that's not being talked about that much, and Mike Lyons has told us several times that we can't really do that. He's a historian and a military analyst, and we'll talk to him next. Mike Lyons. On the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. North Korea stands out there as an isolated nation becoming a nuclear power, selling weapon materials, and developing a weapon that could hit us. Diane Feinstein talking tough on North Korea leading up to the summit, which uh, very conveniently for me is happening at 6 o'clock Pacific. So I uh, can follow it on the evening news without having to stay up too late or anything like that. Exactly. Can't wait to hear what happens, although my expectations are modest, as we were discussing uh, earlier. Uh, please welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, and this is a great pleasure, Mike Lyons, military analyst. Hello, Mike. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. Great. So great to be back with you. Great. Thanks. Uh, generally, expectations, overview, how are you feeling about the uh, summit? I think pretty good. I like Mike Pompeo. Uh, do think he's the right guy that's steering this from... The United States' perspective, setting up this framework for the president to to go down a path with the the North Korean leader that's likely going to take a long time. Um, My only concern is a miscalculation on on either side on on what the expectations could be. Um, The Secretary of State keeps talking strongly about denuclearization. I think that's well over the horizon. I'd like to see things like demilitarization along the 38th parallel Perhaps uh, the, you know the movement of families back and forth, the formal end of the war. That would be a home run if we can get that out of this first meeting. All, all those things they'll likely be um, dismissed by the press, but I think those will be important steps towards what's going to be formal negotiations now that are going to open up. We're talking about putting up an embassy there in North Korea. Yeah, I heard I that. For the, things. Heard that for the first time yesterday. Imagine that an wow. embassy in North Korea. Um, but how much of of it all hinges on? Our threat, the the unspoken elephant in the room that we could obliterate you. How much how much of that is important? 
I think a lot, frankly. And, I, you know, I heard uh, somebody talk, talk to me this morning about, you know, Donald Trump is talking to Hitler and we could have this situation where he comes out of this where, you know, Donald Trump says we have peace in our times. And I said, well, actually, let's reverse that. I'm, I'm not calling Donald Trump Hitler here, but, but the bottom line is we've got the military power in this negotiation here. We're, we're the ones that have got all that leverage. And I think, um, you know, he'll likely make that known. Um, to him, uh, if that's the case. He said it was a one-shot deal. Uh, we saw what he did to Justin Trudeau over the weekend. He's not going to be um, afraid to come out of this meeting and say, you know what, that guy is completely out of his mind, and you know we're not going to be able to talk to him because he's completely unreasonable. He, he can do that you, just as well. When you lay it out the way you just did, because some people have said the Trudeau, Trudeau thing was, a, was a, a message to North Korea. The way you sure. just laid it out, it, it sounds like it may have been, so you don't think, look, you can't say one thing to me in person, and then as soon as I get in the plane, say something else. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he, he calls out, you know, people on television a lot. He does that. But when you're doing that to world leaders, I mean, people are aghast this morning and over the weekend about what happened. And Canada's our friend. Sure, all, all that is the case. But to, to your point, you can't say one thing to me privately and then come out with that kind of uh, that kind of talk and rhetoric, especially right before this kind of meeting. Uh, he's going to make that known to this guy. He's got, what, 40 years on him age-wise. He's, you know, Donald Trump has dealt with New York City mob guys in order to make buildings in the 80s and the 90s. You didn't, you didn't pour concrete in those, those days unless you were dealing with some pretty seedy characters in New York City. I don't think he's going to be afraid at all by this North Korean leader. Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, to what extent do we have any idea of the uh, sincerity, the good faith of the North Koreans, and or how do we proceed uh, even if they're negotiating bad faith? No, we don't. I think one of the things Pompeo is going to insist upon on the verification side of this is moving people to North Korea. We're going to have to embed them in these locations once they disclose where these nuclear facilities are, and we're going to have to send people there. It's the only way to do this. Um, when we opened up the, the Iron Curtain, so to speak, with Russia at, during the 1980s with Gorbachev and Reagan, we started sharing actually military um, uh, officers on both sides would go to each other's activities and the like. So you're going to see a, a, an openness, if, if possible, in order to verify what's going on there, and it's really the only way to do it. We, the satellite technology, all this technology, all this over-the-horizon stuff that we have is not going to verify anything. It'll be able to hide it in plain sight. So I think Secretary Pompeo knows well that that's the case. We're going to have to put you know, boots on the ground to do that. Wow. You know, I, I've been doing a lot of reading lately about you know the political dynamics of various systems, including dictatorships, and I'm just thinking about it from Un's perspective. If he gives his people a measure of freedom and a measure of wealth like they haven't happened had before the history of these things is that does not strengthen the dictatorship it makes it much much more dangerous for him it does and the fact that he left the country is, is a big thing he's told the people of his country that he's going to talk to the united states about denuclearization so this could all turn around he could go back and say look i talked to donald trump he's the one who's crazy in this whole scenario we're going to have to hunker down and uh, we don't know what kind of death wish he has and, and that's exactly right when when dictators usually do that. Um, but but we can't lead with that. We can't lead with where you know want democracy. We want uh, these human rights uh, things change. Obviously, it's got to be mentioned, and we've got to work towards that. But the bottom line is we've got to take the security threat and get it off the table first before right. we move a- anything with North Korea. Yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of got ahead of myself. What I was thinking, I'm trying to understand Kim Jong-un's, uh, the incentives he would respond to. And uh, in a system like his, weak Ignorant, demoralized, starving people don't revolt. They just don't. They right. can't. Yeah. And and so I'm. What can we offer him that isn't actually much more dangerous to him and his elites 
than the situation yeah. they have now. So this it's a complicated son of a gun. But at yeah, some point, I the, the troops. I think the troops are going to come out of South Korea eventually over this. And and oh. when people are are crazed about that, uh, they don't want to admit that the bottom line is they don't matter. And not, don't get me wrong; of course they matter. And, and but the bottom. And if there's a conventional war on the ground there, we we would have three hundred thousand South Koreans, thirty thousand Americans, and six hundred thousand North Koreans. I'm sorry, but the, they don't make enough of an impact in a conventional war. We would use our strategic weapons, and that's what, that's what we would do. So I, I do believe that deep down they recognize that but those troops are likely coming out at some point uh mike lyons a military analyst heck everything analyst mike it's always great to talk thanks a million for the insights great guy thanks for having me nope. you got it my thoughts on on that what you're talking about is at some point the jig is up and uh china it just might have made it clear the jig is up i mean yeah. maybe this is good maybe this is bad if you do it doesn't matter the way you've been doing it is over yeah sometimes that happens in life yeah, well, and, you know, the same stuff I was reading was talking about, uh, they were talking about debt forgiveness and how that never works. It never causes liberalization. It just allows the, the bad guys to solidify the rule because the pressure is taken off of them. Um, and I wonder if Un at this point is under so much pressure, China said, we're not bailing you out anymore, dude. Well, the reason I, I say that is uh, I heard a report on NPR. Uh, there was a reporter there. It's some famous bridge between China and North Korea where the percentage was unbelievable, like two-thirds of the stuff that they have at all in North Korea comes across that one bridge. Mm. And this reporter had been there many times in the past where it's just an endless flow, 24 hours a day of trucks from China into North Korea. That's the only way they could get anything. Even when sanctions were were strict, supposedly. Nonstop trucks all day, all night, constantly. Mm -hmm. Reporter was there last week, said no trucks. Wow. That's the way it's been since he'd been there. Wow. So at some point, it's just over. You might not like it to be over. It might not be comfortable for you. It might be dangerous. It might be all kinds of things, but it's just over. Things it, have changed. Is it possible they built another bridge? <laughs> um, so they, that's got, what, they, they got on uh, ways and found a quicker route. And Trump would get credit for that, too, in a variety of ways of, of making it clear to the Chinese, either by just telling them so or, you know, our, our, our trade stuff or whatever. Right. Saying, look, we're, we're done messing around here. You know, all this crazy ass trade stuff I've been throwing around. You ain't seen nothing yet. I know exactly what I'm doing and I will make you squeal. Or we could get together on North Korea. Sure. What's the danger of the most easily butthurt man I've ever seen, <laughs> including children? Mm. Donald Trump, you know, having a reaction to something that, that's just, you know, ridiculous and blows the whole thing up over something stupid. Well, I think Robert De Niro will tell you he'll get us into a nuclear war. No, he's not going to do that. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I still don't understand do Trump's got, triggers. Do you think he's got times when he can just be an adult and overlook that stuff, or is he, or not? God, he's done it sometimes when it just seems crazy. He has some people on his team that are very, very strong, like Pompeo. I think they will rein him in if he gets a little nutty. I hope. I pray. <laughs> Let's come up your news, Marshall. Well, it's party time in Singapore. Kim Jong-un doing the town hours before the summit with Trump. Probably trying to find something to eat. Gotta wonder where he is. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Was, was that a fat shot? That was a fat uh, shot. Wow. Yeah, Rodman's in town. Yes. Thanks to Potcoin. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. the Trump and Kim look-alike that are traveling around Singapore? <laughs> no. No. Hilarious. So apparently they've done this in the past. 
fast, and they're they're fairly well known for it. And the guy looks kind of like Donald Trump. He's an old fat guy with, you know, they got the same color hair and skin. And uh, a little fat Asian dude. So, I mean, they look kind of like him, and they're walking around. Close enough. But they're doing interviews, and they take credit for bringing Trump and Kim together for the summit. Beautiful. Yeah. I can't believe that Singapore is pretty uh, tight ship, you know? I'm a little surprised they're letting that sort of hijinks go on. Well, Dennis Rodman's there, thank to... Thanks to potcoin.com. You know, that's a good point. Yeah, never mind. All I right. haven't seen Dennis Rodman yet. At some point, we'll see him walk in the streets, right? And he'll be interviewed, of course. Well, if he's there, he'll get coverage. Oh, yeah. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, meanwhile, it's party time in Singapore. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un left his luxury hotel for a late-night city tour ahead of the summit with President Trump. Kim visited the meeting site and then set off on foot to view some of Singapore after dark. Wow, that's something. Now, Trump has remained in his hotel. Let's hope this isn't a Kim Jong-un double. Now, Singapore is famously safe and and, and a tightly run ship, as I said. And they've held quite a few of this sort of thing before. But a guy who snuffs his own brother in an airport... And executes and tortures the thousands, imprisons people for generations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'd feel a little uh, insecure about walking the streets if I were him. Or or saying, hey, look, it's Kim Jong-un and taking a picture and everything right. like that. He's a murderous <laughs> dictator. Can I take a selfie with you, Mr. Un or Mr. Kim? How does that work? I don't know. He's anyway, an, smile. <laughs> he's an evil, evil human being. He'd be among the most evil human beings on the planet. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, kind of gets left out of this conversation, I guess, because it be, it's to our benefit to leave it out of the conversation. Um, I had another point on that. Hey, you see him, and then he's walking around, and he's evil, and he's fat, and he's got the round smile face. on Kim, Kim. And it'll pop back yeah. into my head. Yeah. Well, word is President Trump and uh, Kim will start off their summit by meeting one-on-one with oh. just their translators. I remember what it was. Trump yeah. said over the weekend that uh, things go well, they'll probably play a round of golf. Wow. So then you got Trump playing golf with the evil dictator. Well, they've added a working lunch. You know, we haven't even gotten to. What are they going to have to eat? I don't know. Hmm. I, I'm not privy to that. Uh, what's interesting was Trump kicking uh, boy band Trudeau in the crotch, metaphorically, but uh, calling for Putin to be admitted back into the G8. That was a weird, weird juxtaposition. Somebody's got to explain that one too. Forgot to ask Mike Lines about that one. Yeah, that, I don't. I don't get that. I don't get that maneuver at all. I know Mike well enough to think he was probably pretty unhappy with that. It's hard to yeah. imagine. Speaking of evil people and dictators, that's why I popped into my head. Why Trump thought that was a good idea? You know, I, I if somebody were to tell me they're very separate. Uh, our trade agreements with our allies are out of date, and they are topsy turvy, and. Our NATO allies are not spending the money they're supposed to be spending on defense, et cetera, et cetera. I will absolutely grant you that. Maybe they do need a kick in a crotch now and again. Um, and, you know, maybe grab Angela Merkel in that fashion, as he made clear on the, the Billy Bush tapes. He's, he's wow. you, you know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and I get maybe he's trying to work Putin, but the two side by side just look terrible, Yeah, in my humble opinion. Meanwhile, you got Secretary of State Mike Pompeo eagerly looking forward to the meetings. The talks continue this afternoon, even as we sit here now. Uh, they're, in fact, moving quite rapidly, and we anticipate they will come to their logical conclusion even more quickly than we had anticipated. 
Hmm. Wow. And the White House is now saying that Trump is planning to leave Singapore on Tuesday evening ahead of schedule. Of course, it's easy to agree to something if you don't plan on following through. Sure. Right. We'll denuclearize. You can uh, inspect anything you want. Where do I sign? I mean, if you have no intention of... Well, open a Disneyland in Pyongyang. We don't care. Yeah, exactly. Then get enough of cash infusion to reinvigorate the regime so they can buy off the people they depend on for support. Or just hold... And then immediately start cheating. Or just hold this off for another three months because your scientists have told told you that you're three months away from having the weapon that could absolutely hit anywhere in the United States. New research is showing that children whose tonsils are removed can face triple the risk of later respiratory diseases, including asthma and pneumonia. Wow. I didn't know they took out tonsils anymore. They still do that? Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember if little D has her tonsils out, because she's gotten pneumonia a couple of times. Yeah, researchers in Denmark and Australia studied more than a million children into their 30s. The scientists say their findings suggest it's better to hold off on removing a child's tonsils when possible. Along with pneumonia and asthma, removing a child's tonsils can lead to cases of flu, chronic bronchitis, and emphysema. You know, this is such a great example, if it turns out to be true, and I have no doubt that it will. Such a great example of the hubris of medicine of the 20th century. Hey, you don't need that. The nature and God or whatever didn't right. put that in there for any reason. We've right. studied it, and it's unnecessary. And uh, so, if it's infected, we'll just remove it. I will pull your goddamn tongue out by the roots! Can't typical possibly, doctor of the, of the era. Can't possibly have any use we haven't yet understood. We've designed a, a formula we make in a factory that's far superior to mother's milk, said science in the 20th century. You know, I'll grant you, it wasn't, you know, without its uh, leaps forward, but there was a fair amount of hubris there. The sweep, complete for the Warriors, who beat the Cavaliers 108-85 in Game 4 on Friday in Cleveland. It was a humiliating drubbing. You know what's sad if you're you're one of the Warriors players or a Warriors fan? Is um, two years ago, three years ago when they lost, they were up with, like, what, a couple minutes to go in that Game 7. They're they're a couple of minutes short of absolutely being able to declare they're the greatest team of all time. They yeah. can you can still make the argument now, but there's a yeah, but this, but but if they had won that and they were very yep. close to it, you win four straight most games in this. You you absolutely get to say you're the best ever. Sure, they're so close, so close. There you go. That's wrapped. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> For a turd and a field full of daisies, honestly, there's mm, not you, much reason oh, to be all, upset. I'll bet the players, if not now, in the future, think about that a lot. Something wow. that's in play for LeBron that I didn't really put together until I uh, I heard somebody else mention it is that if he lasts another five years in the league, he'll be able to play in the league at the same time his son will. And I think that's <laughs> I think that is possibly a goal for him to play five more leagues and either maybe wow. not on the same team, but if he gets to play against wow. his son in an NBA game. And his son is in high school, but he is very good. Hmm. Wow. Well, he's got to start knocking off uh, more games, taking more nights off. You can't when you're surrounded by crap. You wouldn't make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah, <whoops. laughs> anyway. Um... Got this financial stuff. People depended on their parents. They found an Air Force officer who vanished 35 years ago. I wanted to talk about that. And I would like to point out that when we were at our most cynical about Mark Zuckerberg's uh, testimony before Congress and the Senate, we weren't cynical enough. Stay tuned for the facts.
Got to talk about this suicide stuff. I mean, that's not a Oy. cheery subject. But, well, it uh, is Monday. A lot stay, of people are feeling like, you know, maybe. Stay, wow. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. One of the things we talked about with various people in New York while we were there, because we were at this talk radio convention in New York, and and we talked about our show, and anyway, it came up often that the number one thing listeners ever say to us, either in person or writing to us, is you guys are funny. That's the first thing, and we try to remember that. Slash, you guys are idiots. So a lot of that. So if we're talking about, you know... uh, nuclear war or a disease or or whatever we 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 try to remember the main reason people are coming here is because they think the show's funny that being said uh, a couple of high profile suicides last week and the cdc's disturbing numbers that came out at the same time deserve a look and i came across a number of columns trying to explain what might be going on in america or what maybe we should do that we can take a look at here in about 10 minutes or so it's pretty interesting. Okay. Well, we can't have our celebrities departing. That would be tragic. Well, lots of people are. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, okay, so more on that to come. Uh, I thought it was a very good uh, excursion, our trip to New York for the radio Could conference. Could not have been better business-wise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My expectations were medium as to whether yeah. or not it was going to be uh, worth the time and effort and money and everything, but could not be more pleased with the way it went. We yeah. met a lot of really powerful, important, impressive people. Yeah, see, that was the thing that really, uh, with almost no exceptions... Everybody we met with was super smart, engaged, insightful, and straight with us. Yeah, you know, I got such a love-hate relationship with New York. I freaking love it as just a, like a place to walk around. I've always hated the we're the center of the world attitude that they have. Mm-hmm. But you know why they have that attitude? Because hmm. they're the freaking center of the world. Yeah. For almost everything. Yeah. Radio, television, News, Writing, sure. art, news, diplomacy, obviously finance capital of the world, which is not a minor thing. Sorry, uh, London. It's just it just is. So yeah. Yeah. and you know, so a lot of the the seats of power for the radio industry are there also, and you know, frankly, we should have gone years ago and hung out with them before, but yeah, 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 honestly. And and a lot of really cool people. Met some of the people we've listened to uh, on the radio for years and been aware of and the big names in the industry and, and a lot of great people. Uh, I, I do have a couple of people I really want to slander. I want to say terrible, terrible things about them publicly. But well, I'm listen, not, boys. But I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to, Michael. I'm not. <laughs> I will not. You cannot goad me or tempt me into doing it because I am a gentleman. But uh, yeah. But uh, honestly, the the whole the whole takeaway was great conversations with good people. And and you know, honestly, well, I don't know how deeply we want to get into this. Probably not much. I'll tell you this: Judy came with me, um, partly because it just seemed like a fun idea to go to New York together. And then we went down to D.C. to see uh, Little D, our our daughter, who's in college. Uh, which was wonderful, but uh, my wife is not exactly a bold and intrepid explorer of the world. And she, like, went nuts. Hmm. She went downstairs in the morning, said, I got two days, what should I do? 
And they uh, huddled down there, and they said, well, you can do this and that. She said, how do I get there? Well, I'd get on the subway. Where's the subway? So she got on the subway. She explored New York. She went everywhere. Awesome. And, and little D and I, we get together. We're talking about this when we're down in D.C. seeing her. And we're like, what the, who are you? When, when we're, as a family, you're, you're like timid, and you're not sure, and well, we got to plan tim- everything in advance. I don't know if it's timid's fair. Not, not everybody wants to do that. Cautious. You know? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, but what's the contrast? When, when it's like her and somebody, all of a sudden, it's like super cautious traveler. Everything's got to <laughs> be alone, set up in advance. Unburdened alone. by her family. Have it. I don't care. Where can I get some <laughs> pot? Where's the tough part of town? Come on. Where's the... Where, where can I find a dude? She's going out the door like she doesn't give an S. It was great. I was so happy and proud of her. I only rode the subway once, and I just did it to ride the New York subway. New York subway has such a unique smell. I noticed that I was walking across one of those grates that made uh, Marilyn Monroe's dress fly up. What is the smell of a New York subway that's different from anywhere else? Any other mass transit? Nothing smells like a New York subway. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. But I I, re- I wrote it once just to do it, and I was thinking about the first time I ever went to New York. I went everywhere by subway because I couldn't afford to take cabs and stuff like that, and so. Yeah, it's just a different, just a different way to travel. Luckily, now I could afford to take Uber if it was going to be eight dollars to take me twenty blocks. So right, I would, I would do that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's this proposal. The, the Atlantic has the inevitable, uh, unnecessarily long article about it. Um, they want to rip up the tracks in the subway because it's to get beyond rid of that smell. <laughs> no, because it's beyond repair and it's dumb and choo choos are not the future. And instead, instead, pave it and have autonomous vehicles. Oh. Interesting. Driverless cars. You don't need them on rails. Oh, my God. We took the Acela down. That's that's the like Amtrak super fast train. Maybe from... your doctor should recommend Acela. <laughs> I can go out in shorts again. Um, <laughs> we took it down from uh, from New York to D.C. And uh, when it was 125 miles per hour, I think, top speed, which was really cool. I don't even know about this. Yeah. I've taken just regular Amtrak between New York and D.C. many times. That may be the one you took. They just no, call it the Acela. We didn't go fast. Oh, really? No. Oh, because they got the the one that stops like 25 times, and this one only stopped about half a dozen times, mm-hmm. but it gets up to 125 miles per hour on special tracks. It is, if you will, California, a bullet train. Um, <laughs> and if ever there is the population density of the Northeast in California, and there never will be. Um, and you have the greatest uh, financial capital of the world connected to the greatest capital capital of the world, then a bullet train would make sense. But as we're screaming along the tracks at a unbelievable rate of speed, you, you, you are never unaware that you are screaming down the tracks at an unbelievable speed and that it is wheels on rails. It's not the levitating Japanese magnet train or whatever those like 300 mile per hour deals, which I'd like to do once in my life. Um, but it's the technology of the 1870s. And, and I just kept thinking, how's this thing staying on? <laughs> I, I mean, it, it made airplanes seem like completely risk free, which honestly they are. But you're never, because it bounces and rolls and, and jiggles constantly. Boy, you think urinating on an airplane's a challenge. Get on a plane, uh, get on a train, rather, that's going 125 miles per hour. <laughs> when, when over Christmas, when I, uh, I, I paid for that private f- plane to fly us. Right. Being in a private, and we were in a little bumpy air, I was trying to urinate with the hardest... <laughs> 
urinating situation I've ever been in my life. It was actually slamming me around. Urine was going everywhere. Oh, I no. got paper towels. Everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. I was trying to, That's a horrible notion. I was trying, trying to jam my head up against the ceiling to try to hold my body still. <laughs> Some sort of three-point bracing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and you can't sit because the, the turlet is so tiny. Right. Right, there's no room for the gear, ladies. That's why. So, yeah, it's it's a tough nut. Right I there. sit next to a nice Shouldn't lady. Shouldn't they have like a funnel contraption? I yes, mean, they should. With like an interchange. You'd want for sanitary purposes. You don't want you know use somebody else's. But yeah, I was sitting next to a very nice lady on the plane uh, back, but she was quite quite large woman, mm. like you know way 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 above average. Yeah. Um, and she went off to the bathroom once, and I thought, how is that even? possible in those things because i asked her i can't make it might have gotten some insight because they make it impossible for people and did you hear the new planes are shrinking it it's gonna be like six inches smaller yes you couldn't no way you couldn't use it well i'm gonna just start whizzing in the aisle if that's what you want is that what you want united (laughs) bring an empty milk jug Yeah, excuse me, i got to stand up here for a minute. That'll be the future flying. Everybody's sitting there with a jug of urine in their lap. <laughs> That's the direction we're heading. Uh, excuse me, I can't get my entire body in this bathroom. What am I supposed to do? Get back to your seat! <laughs> so is it a mental illness problem, or do we just have unrealistic expectations for life? Different points of view on this suicide craze across our nation. We'll talk about that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.